You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. We are live on Outlandicast. Yeah! Wait, hold on. No, 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 no. (laughs) We're in Newport in the Colony House. I got to hear more out of you guys. What do you got? Come on. A little bit louder. Now you're talking turkey. All right. Let's make a podcast. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. Well, we wanted to say, what's up, clan? How's everybody doing? You've been able to see the finale. So in case you are still not familiar with Castle Massey, how many of you got to smell and touch and feel Castle Massey? Oh, my. Now you all know what I'm talking about, right? Well, there, um, what'd you say? <laughs> there is no such thing. No <laughs> such thing. Well, Castle Massey has amazing apothecary products. You can, of course, find them at castlemassey.com. If you want to smell good, treat yourself. You want to have healthy, nice skin, treat yourself. You guys can all do this. How about the essential oils that you dream of? What can you do? Treat yourself. And you can get them at 30% off. Why? Because you're an amazing member of the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering and just amazing Outlander Cast listeners. All you need to do is write the coupon code OutlanderCast at checkout. So, you know, this is a brand new year. You need to do what? Treat yourself. That's right. Nope, apparently not that one. <laughs> this is live podcasting, ladies this is and live gents. live podcasting. That will be edited out if you listen on the podcast. Are you I didn't know if you'd come. I may be stubborn, but I'm not a fool. I love you. I always will. Live from the Colony House in Newport, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. you all don't know me hi my name's mary larson my name's blake and i gotta tell you i'm supposed to exude confidence but i ain't i'm nervous as hell my legs are shaking but i'll tell you what too i am all about the mercasta life who here is about the mercasta life yes ma'am and sirs for those of you that are here Oh, we all got those little, like, goosies. And I don't know about you, but I want to braid Murtaugh's hair so badly. Move over, Joan, from, uh, from Leary's little daughter, Joan. I want to braid Murtaugh's hair. His hair is gorgeous. <laughs> well, of course, before we dive into the show, we want to let you know that if this is your first time, if you're finding us here on Facebook Live, hey, Hey there, friends. My name is Mary. In case you're here in the audience and you don't know us, we have a podcast. You can find us (laughs) by subscribing on your phone. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, everywhere just by searching the title OutlanderCast. You can also become an official member of the OutlanderCast clan. Can I just have a round of applause? How many people here are official members of the OutlanderCast clan at (laughs) OutlanderCastClan.com? Thank you to you. Thank you to all of you. Of course, thank you to all of you for being here, but really for the Outlander Cast clan, the official member. Thank you. Seriously. They make it all possible, and just as like our little ways to give back, they get great benefits, they get extra after dock. Are we doing an after dock tonight? Oh, do you want to do an after dock tonight? We'll do one after we'll dock do tonight. We'll do one after dock. We'll throw in some extra apps, uh, accents, and maybe I'll talk about <laughs> Maki Mock. <laughs> you got the <laughs> podcasting right here, live. Wicked classy broad. In, in Newport, Rhode Island. <laughs> so, in addition to getting these wicked classy after dock podcast episodes, you get to uh, get giveaways, free swag, and so much more. And you just get to say, I'm part of the official Outlander Cast clan, which is pretty dang awesome. And, and another thing, too, well, well, since this 
kind of actually mocks the, the first appearance of Droughtlanda. You can actually, I know, That's a I know. That's swear word. That I is know. a swear word. I know. Stop it. Oh, shame. Okay. Well done. Well done. Listen, I know, but you can actually follow Mary and I at maryandblake.com where we get all of our other podcasts too and all the other blogs, especially This Is Us too. Who here watches This Is Us? Yeah, okay. this is too. We got some. We got so, people who like to cry. Some people yeah. here love crying. All yeah. you, all the <laughs> tissues, all the shaman. So, all right, you ready to talk to Outlander? Yes. Yeah. All right, let's yes. do it. So break it on down for us, Blake. Let us know the episode details of this amazing finale that we just watched. Well, this episode was entitled Man of Worth. And we all know why. It's about Roger proving that he's a man of worth. It's about Jamie proving that he's a man of worth, living up to his name. But really, it's all about our boy, Ian. <laughs> Ian is the man of worth, ladies and gentlemen. And yes. we have our the biggest buy Ian moment of the entire season. That's actually what the title should have been. Yeah. It should have been by Ian. By yes. Ian. Yes. I get it. I get it. <laughs> that hashtag needs to trend tonight. <laughs> In addition to Outlander finale, needs to be by Ian. I know. Poor thing. Poor the writer thing. was Tony Graffia, who is actually one of the co-showrunners uh, that has come to take over the show now that Ron Moore has taken a step back along with Matt B. Roberts. Who loves Matt B. Roberts and oh Tony Graffia here? Tony, on her own, has uh, written many episodes of Outlander. We'll go through them right now. Rent, The Devil's Mark, The Watch, La Dame Blanche, Faith, Dragonfly and Amber, Of Lost Things, Freedom of Whiskey, Eye of the Storm, America the Beautiful, and Birds Busy of the Bees. lady. Busy lady. The director was Stephen Wolfenden. I had no idea who this jabroni was. <laughs> no idea. But I'll tell you what, he did a pretty good job, right? Tell me. He actually has directed uh, The Spanish Princess, the actual new show that's going to be on Stars yeah. coming up very soon. All you Poldock fans out there, you should like Stephen Wolfenden. And all you Doctor Who nerds out there. And no, okay, apparently nobody's that's a Doctor right. Who nerd. You're in, a, you're in the safe zone. We're, we're with our tribe, our clan of and nerds. I got something here for you too, Mary. <gasps> he also served as, as the second unit director on Harry Potter 5 through 8. And the Fantastic Beast series. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you going to hear now? You're a wizard, Harry. That's uh, right. <laughs> that's, that's the Harry Potter movie that I call Emo Harry. He's so angry, right? <laughs> just all the time. He just needs eyeliner and it'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Marvin, what do you got for your kilt, Raiden? Wait, what about the DP? Oh, the DP, Alistair Walker. Since they got rid of Steve McNutt, I've been re- caring less and less about the DP. Oh, Okay. Go back and listen to episode 86 where we interviewed Steve McNutt. Yeah, <laughs> you just skipped over it. I'm I did, like, sorry. You, yeah, sorry. Sorry, Steve. Okay, kilt rating time. So, um, on a scale of one to five, we rate these episodes on one to five kilts. I would like audience participation. How many people would give this episode one kilt? You can clap. Maybe you're nervous. How about two kilts? Mm-mm. Three kilts? Mm-mm. Four kilts? There's a couple. Oh, there's a, there's yep. a couple. There's a little rumbling. Let's, let's go to like a 4.5 kilt. 4.5. Okay. How many of you would like Mary? How many Mary? are on the Mary train and want to give it a big old five kilt? <laughs> They're on the Mary train. What do you got? Why, why is it a five kilt this time? Okay. So I cried. I cried a lot. And I know that many of you did too. I saw you. I saw y'all. Um, I think that they tied up some things beautifully. I think they added some things that I was not expecting. Uh, I just, heck, and it's a finale. And I'm just happy. I'm just really, really happy. And I wish I had Brianna's body after I gave birth. <laughs> and I wish I could run. I wish I could run two months after without peeing myself. Let's be real. <laughs> I wish I had Brianna's body after giving birth. Never said I was classy. <laughs> <laughs> We're in Rhode Island for a reason. Um, for me. So... Here in my document, as you guys know, I have a Google document that she and I share. You guys, most of you probably see it on the OutlanderCastClan.com. Here I have a rating of 4.3. What? I do. I do. I, hold uh, on. Time where's, out. Where's that shame bell? Hold on. Hold on. Shame. Okay. That was, that was after I watched it the first time last night. Oh, you're getting it. 
real moan from the, the peanut gallery over here. <laughs> Apparently. But then I saw it again with all you, with all you nerds. And I said... We don't call them nerds. They and I are said, people. I'm, I'm, I'm moving it up. I'm moving it up to a 4.7. Is that acceptable? Yes. All right. Yes. Moving it up to a 4.7. And I'll say this. It was a, it was a very good episode. Yes, to it me, it actually... There is so much to love. And like last year's uh, finale, there's so much to love. And then there's like some things where I'm kind of like, wait, what are we doing here? Like, what's going on? And we'll the funny thing is... those moments. The no. funny thing is, is that it kind of felt more like, to me, like a premiere oddly enough, ah. than a finale. And we, we were introduced back to all the different characters. All the stories were tied up in a nice little bow. It was right there. And it felt like we can actually jump off from the moment right here and get into the rest of the story. So that's why it, it felt like a premiere as opposed to a finale. It's not like Dragonfly and Amber where it was just like super sad and she's going back. And so this sad. one felt like maybe even like a penultimate episode almost. So that's why I'm giving it a 4-7. Mary, what do you got for you? G, B, G, the good, uh, bad, and the so great. So excited. So for those of you who don't know, I created the GBG because I love to be optimistic. And if you do have anything bad to say, it needs to be sandwiched very nicely. So we have our good, our bad, and our great for the episode. So my good was actually Sophie Skelton and the portrayal of her as a new mother. Dang, that girl got some really good acting lessons. Mm-hmm. Can we give it up for Sophie? Right? Holy smokes. I mean, this whole season, I've just been enamored by her, and I'm loving her, and I love all of the feelings that she's been able to show on the screen this entire season, but just showing her being concerned about being the perfect parent, that is something that I worried about tremendously. And, oh, I'm going to cry. Um, <laughs> Don't cry. No, it's okay. And you guys are going to you. like it. You're going to like you. it. Because there was a clarinet when she talked about being oh, a yes. perfect parent. And I was like, there's Frank. There's Frank. So when you rewatch this episode and Phaedra. And Frey just touching her belly and she's like, my drawing's not perfect. And Blake and I would be like, yeah, because you just learned how to draw yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but she talks about being concerned of being perfect and there was this beautiful clarinet line, and Bear McCreary has been so careful with his clarinet usage. And I loved that as she's talking about being the perfect parent, Frank was still a little bit there. And I know we have some Frank haters, but I do think that Frank was an amazing father to Brie, and he loved her unconditionally. And I loved it. I loved it. I'm getting goosies. Y'all are going to keep hearing that clarinet. You know how I point out some weird things like the moans that you can't hear? You're going to hear the clarinet now. Adam's so that's, that's my little present. It's not a moan. <laughs> <laughs> so my, what'd you say? Moans. Someone likes the moans? Good. Um, the bad was, I know this is really weird, but the weird transition from day to night. So Claire and Jamie and Ian, they were captured at night. What did they do? Because suddenly it's morning when the chief is chatting with them and he's like, you're naughty. You're no longer a mohawk. And I don't know what to do with you people, but I'm kind of cool with you. I'm like, did they hang out in the hut and did they eat? Did they get like mints on their pillow? Like, what did they do? Did they get like the little like towel lobsters that they put on cruisers? Did they get those too? Where did they stay? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. With with Roger, did they just help him dig the hole again? Like, what did they do? (laughs) It just was a really weird night to day cut. So that was my bad that I was jarred by. Um, And I need to say, where were Claire's ninja moves? Because Jamie had ninja moves. He did this, like, jump kick. And then Ian did a, like, jump roll. And I'm like, Claire, where's your Mortal Kombat move? Because you... (laughs) Finish him. (laughs) She didn't learn it. (laughs) Um, Am I good? was our final goodbye, Ian. Bye, Ian. Like, I cried so much. (laughs) Bye, Ian. Um, He has grown, and however, I don't know what he did to his jawline when he was like, I gave him my word, but he like stuck himself out, so he was like standing a little bit taller, and you saw him mature from eye roll Ian, man of worth. Yes. God, he just like aged and he was like, I want to stick to my word. And I thought it was such an interesting foil for here's Jamie being like, Claire, I'm totally lying to the Mohawk. I'm going to run away as soon as I can. <laughs> like, like These guys are jabronis. They don't know what's going on. I'm totally going to dig that hole that Roger was working on. And there's Ian being like, no, 
I gave them my word, and I am, I'm a man of worth, and I'm going to do this. And he just, he did, he like, I mean, he got Kat's neck, because Kat, of course, has like the longest neck, but he just looked older and more mature all of a sudden, and I'm just so proud of Ian, slash like a little concerned, because we literally, like we went across the Atlantic Ocean to, to get Ian, and so thanks, Ian, but, um, but on the flip side, he's, <laughs> thanks a lot. Glad we left Scotland for you. Um, <laughs> but it really was beautiful and seeing him grow. And I know, I wish that we had more time with him this season. I really know that we joke about the bye, Ian, but I think they did a beautiful job mm-hmm. saying goodbye to him. Agreed. GBGs for Blake. All right. My good. Very simple. Five words. Take me to my son. Oh, yeah. Now you're talking. That's coming from a dad moment right there. Okay, that's a dad moment. You got Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And my dad's here, by the way. He's right over there. (laughs) Dad moment. Uh, That was great writing. And some, I'm not going to say that I like Roger because of it, (gasps) but I'm on, I'm, I'm back, I'm getting back there. Okay? I'm getting back there. I still have some questions about that's Some okay. things, okay? But I really loved this line. It was a special piece of writing, and uh, it, it told everything that you needed to tell about where Roger was, what he was thinking, why he came back, and the kind of um, determination mm. and love for Brianna that he was going to have. No matter what, it's his son. Excellent. Uh, the bad. I have actually a tie. Oh, Again. dear. I hate your tie bads. I know. Why can't I you know. have a tie? Great. Oh, okay. I'm kidding. It's okay. Uh, I still love you. <laughs> first, um, the escape from the Mohawk uh, when they were trying to get Roger out, yeah. uh, I felt that the direction was actually very poor. And I felt that it was very poor because it, I couldn't tell where the hell we were. It, I just felt like we were running around in circles. You know, part of directing, as you guys all know, it's about dynamic shots, mm-hmm. right? You have dynamic shots like the shot of uh, looking down on all of the canoes walking down the river yes. or even of Ottertooth going around the fire having the blazing and the blurriness and the whole thing. Dynamic shots. But the most important thing about directing and something that is kind of overlooked, especially by a guy like Michael Bay in Transformers movies, right? If you don't know where the hell you are when you're watching your show, if you can't tell where everything is, and if you cannot tell um, where people are in relation either to where other people are Mm. or where their goal is, then you're running in circles and you're just left with like, okay, I just feel like we're just... And it just... I did not like it. But the real bad was actually you have this beautiful sweeping moment of Roger and Bree and we're running and it's just and it's echoing like when um, Jamie and Claire were running towards each other in the season three finale and you're like oh my god I'm getting yes. all the feels and then we have the freaking redcoats and it totally undermines the entire the moment. damn scene and. I, I, it just, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I know. I know. <laughs> you love me. You really love so me. So humble. So um, humble. <laughs> it just it undermined the entire moment. So I just, oh my God, what are we doing with that? But the great, the absolute great is the visual storytelling of Mercasta and. <laughs> yep. Wow. Wow. That's your great. Well, well, hold on. Wait, hold on. Of Mercasta, Jamie, and Claire, all sitting down, having oh. dinner, silent, no Brie. And all of a sudden, she walks down, doesn't say a word, sits between her mother and father. And again, visual storytelling. You don't need to say anything there. No. You, you, if you say anything, that's like ruining it. Just let that be. Yes. And I'm glad that they had the smarts to do that. And do you want to know why? Tell me. That's what that was. It was an outstanding, and what I'm so happy. What kind of soup were they eating? It wasn't clam chowder, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it sure wasn't. <laughs> All right, so Marvin, where are we going with this? What do we got here? Okay. Well, first and foremost, the amount of forgiveness between all of the parties. Can we just talk about forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Roger forgiving Jamie after he beat him up. <laughs> How would you feel about the beating up? Because that was like... <laughs> 
It was like very cathartic. Yes. And Roger got his groove on. Like he'd been limping and, and really hurt. It came out of nowhere too. It shocked you. It was like a jump scare. Right? It was amazing. And yet I loved how Jamie was like, it's okay, Claire. Yeah. It's okay. Let him do it. Let him do it. And you know what? I'll tell you what. Ro- Roger is wicked lucky because Jamie could have turned that guy's face into scrambled <laughs> eggs. And you've seen it, too. You've seen his face when he's like, that's the last friggin' one that you're going to get. <laughs> I will punch you in the next Tuesday and make your head spin. That's what I felt like. But I'll tell you, I really like this as uh, the way that it was edited. The editing part here was exceptional because not only is Ian becoming a man with the mohawk and it's interspersed with the the, the gauntlet, the spank line, if you will. Um, It's not only is Ian becoming a man, he's becoming a man of worth to himself, becoming part of the mohawk, but also Roger is finding himself. And even though Jamie could have just, again, scrambled eggs everywhere, he, Roger, finally got his own agency back. He became something that he wasn't for so long. And especially after having that moment of being like, I'm going to take care of number one. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that punching and the, and the fighting and, and, and the, that concern, all of it comes rushing back as soon as he takes his own agency into his own hands and becomes the man at the same time as he am. I just felt so bad for Claire because she's like, how many Band-Aids do I need to use on this trip? <laughs> <laughs> I only packed 10 and these boys are going at it. <laughs> Poor Claire. <laughs> um, you know, one of the quotes that they say in the, in the beginning of the, you know, previously an Outlander is, you know, where there is love, there is hope. And, I, you know, that's one of the things that I, I kept pulling at is that there is love. There's Roger's love for Bray. There's, there's Claire and Jamie's love for their daughter. And the, the love just kept propelling this storyline. And because of that, people were able to have this forgiveness out of their love. We got to see Bree have that amazing conversation with Murtaugh where he was saying, you know, did you forgive Bonnet? She said, I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. He was kind of a schmuck. But, you know, I went. But then he asks... Did you, you know, do you think you could possibly forgive your father? Jeez, I already have. Mm-hmm. See, here's an issue that I have with it. I, I, what I wanted from that was a real moment between, uh, between Brianna and her dad, right? That is a cathartic moment. That is something that they have built, been building to. And yes, it is nice that we got the line to Murtaugh, but what does that really mean? What I is wish that, what is that, that ha- she had given the bairn to Jamie to hold. Jamie didn't get to hold his grandson. Right. And that is something that I think would have been without words, that if she, you know, granted the baby was crying and she was having all these feelings, but I wish at some point, or even during the soup dinner, that she, like, touched his hand. Right. You know, I do agree that there should have been something, and I just want Jamie to hold babies, because when he <laughs> holds a baby... <laughs> It's one of the cutest that things. That was a fresh friggin' baby, by the way. Did you see that? That kid was like three minutes old. Yeah. I can't believe it. Like, how, remember how we talked about, how do you just, do you like go to Baby's R Us or something and be like, yes. hey, just give me a baby? How do you find a kid like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, you're right, though. If, if they had this moment where she maybe held his hand or whatever, because, mm-hmm. you know, commandment number two is show me, don't tell me. Yes. Show me, don't tell me. And that would have been a great moment in which we could have done that. I agree. So how about Rick Rankin? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, we know how I feel about Rick Rankin. Yeah. We, we have a special little relationship, he and I. That friggin' fish pin and that effing guy. No. Anyway. Uh, just friggin' Rick Rankin. <laughs> we talked about Boston and accents. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. It's I okay. And I it's wasn't okay. there. It's okay. I like your accent better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a question I have here, and, and it's, I, again, you, you all know, I am take bunkered, okay? I'm in my bunker. I'm waiting for all the bombs to come, and I refuse to come out. About what? About Roger. He did leave Brie. It happened. Yes. It in the happened. show, this is In the show, not it happened. Good. And yeah, okay, you went back and whatever, but I still can't buy into the fact that I can just forgive him for that. It, I would have never, ever left you. I would never have done it. Just wouldn't. It's. I, I, I have a hard time forgiving him. So, for how that. did you feel with him taking one day to come back? I was happy that you know they had their soup, and then the next day Bree is packing because you know watching it now, um, you know a second time. I was really trying to debate like how much time passed between soup and packing, mm-hmm. and. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay. And it really seemed like it was the next day because Claire sat down. She said, come to Fraser's Ridge. Come with your family. So to me in the show, it felt like Roger just had a good sleep. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a good sleep to think things through, right? Or I'm tacos. not mad at Roger for needing a night to be like, okay. You know, I finally, I finally took a good nap. And... um. Yeah, I'm still done with this. So I'm not mad. I will tell you, things happen very differently in the book. And I'm glad that they didn't necessarily have things work out the very long, dragged out way that they do happen in the book. And I don't know if it's going to change how things happen in season five. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, I watched this and I took it as Roger got a nap and he said, oh, my God, of course I'm going back to Bray. And he came back the very next day. But I agree that show Roger this season. Well, he says... Yeah. Oh, I didn't leave because we argued. She told me to go. No, she didn't, bro. She, t- she said, no one is stopping you. And just because she said, no one is stopping you, doesn't mean that it gives you license to leave. You don't leave. That was the day of your freaking wedding. Like, you were hand fast, and you were just like, okay, I'm going to go. See you later. I, I, I just, and the reasoning that the writers and indirectly, well, indirectly the writers, but directly Roger, is giving me saying, oh, well, you know, I, I, I did. I came back. I just, I feel like that's a teenage excuse. These like, Frasers are fiery folk, though. Right. You know, you can't just when they when they get a little fiery. That's when you talk about some. You're fire. rumpy, pumpy instead. <laughs> I mean, look at Jocasta. I mean, seriously, I was like, oh yeah. I was like, she is related to Jamie. Like, let's have a fight. She had great aim for a blind woman throwing oh, that, that whiskey, whiskey, and right in Murtaugh's face. And I was like, I didn't know where it was going. Here's this fight, and then they obviously had sex. And I was like, You're related to Jamie. <laughs> I've seen this before. <laughs> hey, talking about some fire and Jamie, by the way. How about that moment when he looked at Roger? And again, hashtag dad moment when he's like, You left my daughter, and she was raped. So I beat you. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that was great. And because that felt like that confrontation, that got the due that it needed. And it was great to see Roger just give, kind of give, I mean, sorry, it was great to see um, Jamie give Roger the business you know, a little bit. You know, Sam and Katrina, they've really, um, they haven't had the, the light like they had in previous episodes because they're not necessarily, they're sharing the time now with, with Roger and with Sophie and with everybody else. So it's been great to see Sam's acting and Sam too has done a phenomenal job aging himself as a character, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, just today we were watching with some of the staff Oh, those those Bonnie episodes with him just like picking up the hay and, and that smile. Oh my goodness, he's still my heart. But like he doesn't have a care in the world. There's a price on his head and that's about it. But here you see him, you know, putting on those speckles. Can he please wear glasses all of season five, by the way? Oh my God. Can Jamie just need glasses all the time? But to see how they've aged and how their acting has been phenomenal. But Rick Rankin, in this episode, the way he was able just to change his faces as he was trying to digest is Roger, these things, not only, yes, you left Bray, but she was attacked. And by attacked, we mean raped. Oh, and she's pregnant, and it might not be yours. To see, it was like Frank all over again when he realizes Don't make you're me pregnant, you're, but it's not mine, yeah. right? It was, it was like the Frank, it was, it was like Tobias Menzies, little giving a pause of these moments. And I really, I was so happy to see Rick do that as well. Right. Totally agree. And, and that's why I'm kind of not sure about him taking the day or however long it was to come back. You just needed a nap. Well, the reason why, it's just like narratively, you remember like in last episode when he was saying, I'm going to take number one, and then he watched Father, Ale- Father Alexandra and the, and the lady die, and you felt like, okay, this is himself changing back. It was himself saying, you know what? Love is crazy. Love makes me do stupid things. It makes me jump into fires with my, burn, with my burning spouse. But you know what? That's good. I, can, I, I will do stupid things for love. And I'm, I'm happy to accept that. But then he turns around and, and takes like two days. I feel like... No, one, it, he just took a nap. That's all he took. <laughs> Soup and packing. That's all that happened in the show. It wasn't that long. Well, we got to take a quick break real quick. Oh, and. Uh, Let's talk about our sponsor, who has been a fantastic yes. sponsor all season. Yes, they have. Let's do it. We've gushed. I've gushed. You've tried. Maybe you've lathered. Maybe you've smelled. You know, you know what we're talking about, Castle Massey. So in case you haven't gotten the memo, they are America's first 
Apothecary Company. And here's what it comes down to, ladies and gents. We are live in the Colony House with so many members of the Outlander Cast clan, a place where, in case you didn't know, George Washington... Here comes the General Washington! <laughs> Thomas Jefferson, Alexander Hamilton... Oh my Here goodness. comes the Washington. And so many of our founding fathers hung out here. Like, just take a moment and realize that. That they hung out in this building. Those... They, like, ma- made decisions and stuff here. Like, stuff that, like, altered time, you know? Seriously. They made serious, amazing decisions. Not just talking about braiding Murta's hair like I'm doing right here. <laughs> so we, of course, need to talk about the supernatural number six, worn by your boy... George Washington. Washington. At his inauguration. It's the only fragrance I wear. I even convinced my dad to wear number six. I think he's wearing it tonight. (laughs) It's the only one I ever wear from now on. Please go get it. It's just, it'll change your life. It's that good. Change your life. Makes you want to feel like George. That's right. And of course, you get 30% off by using the coupon code ATLANDERCAST at checkout at caswellmassey.com. Treat yourself. That's right. Treat yourself. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit here about Otter Tooth. How did everyone yes. feel about Otter Tooth? How did, did, was it, all right. And it, four, how many kilts? Yell it out. How many kilts do you got for Otter Tooth right now? Be, two? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wow. I'm surprised. I'm giving him a 4.7. 4.7. Oh, I, I'm all in on Otter Tooth in this episode. You know what? I'm not, and I'll tell you why. I'm kind of out on Otter Tooth. Bring it, bring it. it. Because it showed up in the premiere, yes. which was great, and had that great bit. We actually got the... With a storm with and the, the storm. skull, he was coming and he in was like out. flashing in and out. Loved it. But we never saw him again. That's we right. never, never did anything. I think they missed a really good opportunity because they even have Claire say something like, I believe in ghosts because it's about something they're trying to tell you. They're coming back. They're going to be here. And she, they, the, the, um, the Mohawks say, you got that stone? And if you have that stone, apparently, he, his spirit will always be with you, and he will always be trying to tell you his story. So she has the stone, but she didn't, she didn't see him except for that one time. I feel like it was a real missed opportunity, and to have him just in the beginning and then be gone, is she, like she could have seen him throughout, like maybe just in the background. She could have scared him, like, you know, that, that kind of thing. I feel like it was a missed opportunity. And so spending this much time with Ottertooth in the finale, when we could have had that time with uh, Bree and Roger and Jamie and Claire, I felt like it was misused time. And so I'm giving Ottertooth a big fat one kilt. Oh my gosh, poor yeah. Ottertooth. I am. He's going to come find you. <laughs> I don't got the stone. He can't show up. So why are you giving him a 4.7 kilt? Okay. I just not you all to go back to the terribly voiced over and yet so sweet episode one Sassnock. When there's a ghost looking at let Claire. Mm-hmm. And Claire says that she believes that ghosts come back when there's a story worth telling or a message worth relating. And I sat there listening to her say that in this episode. And I was like, Jamie, what are you going to do in this next book that Diana's coming out with soon? Maybe one day <laughs> we'll know about this ghost. Maybe because this is this isn't you know whether you're just a show watcher or a book reader we all know there's this ghost this we're hoping or praying that it's Jamie and I'm sitting here saying is this is this just a little nugget that we are going to keep talking about with ghosts because we talk about time travel we talk about what people need to time travel and and we're understanding that but this ghost element is different and yet watching Sassanok, um we were watching it today with some of our staff just watching that and. I'd watched it after seeing this episode, today's episode at midnight, to be able to get this two ghosts in one day. It just made me really excited, so that bumped it up. But I don't know. I just felt really bad for Ottertooth. Here he was. We, I mean, the, the opening title card, him being in that time period, seeing his face, seeing his frustration, um, and knowing what he tried to do, mm-hmm. Maybe it was the whiskey. I'm not going to lie. I've had a bit of uh, the Sons of Liberty tonight. But I, I was really sad for Ottertooth watching it here tonight. I felt really bad because I was thinking about um, 
you know, the Mohawk and what really did happen to them and all the Native Americans and what honestly has happened. And if they could go back through time or any type of people who've been, you know, genocide, anybody, if you could go back, what would you do? Who would you try to warn? And I, I don't, as I said, I'm sorry, I've had a few drams, but I was sitting there thinking, thinking, who would I want to warn? And if they wouldn't believe me, how would that make me feel? And you better darn believe my headless spirit would be like, I tried to warn you. So <laughs> I'm giving Otter Tooth 4.7 because I really, I know that it, I know that it doesn't necessarily fit in tonight's episode, but between the ghost and then thinking of all these things that people of these, um, you know, different type of, whether it is the, the Mohawk, whether it's all the different tribes that were here, whether it's just people of different faiths or, or just beings, if we could go back and warn people. I just mm-hmm. had hashtag all the feels for Ottertooth, and I know it's not a very popular opinion, but he got me tonight. And as I said, it just might be all the feels from tonight, but um, being in this building right now and knowing how rich in history and how this show is about time travel and how Jamie and Claire have tried to change time and they couldn't and how Ottertooth tried to change time and he couldn't, it just made me um, sad and frustrated um, mm-hmm. for Ottertooth. So. Well, you all know how much I love when Outlander gets weird with it, right? Like they get weird with like the skull and the, yes. the, the tooth and everything and just... Carry out that weirdness. Just give me more. Just but you're just saying in this finale episode, you yeah. felt like it was... I feel like you, okay. could, you could cut Ottertooth out entirely and nothing changes for the most part. For, for the most part, I feel like nothing changes. And that's when you know the character that you've written it doesn't grasp all that much. But I will tell you this. Even though it was kind of my bad and, and I didn't like the fact that they... That they um, totally undermined the big sweeping moment of Roger and Bree. I will say that I really love the subversion of expectation when they have all the red coats driving up mm. and you think, oh my God, Murtaugh's going to get, he's going to get yes. whacked. How many of you thought they were coming for Murtaugh? Right? All of you. All, all right? of you book readers too because you, you, Murtaugh's dead. And that moment when Jocasta and Murtaugh do this little like nuzzle. Oh, it's like a- <laughs> Sorry, I was a little sweaty. <laughs> you were. I didn't. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no. I have all the minutes with Mary right now. <laughs> it's very authentic because I think Murta hadn't showered either, so it's like. <laughs> but um. And, then, and then, but you had that that side eye from Jamie too. Oh my you god, Jamie and Claire were like, "What just happened while we were gone?" It that was, was awesome. You'd be like, "Wait, what?" Like, Jamie was like, "Oh my god." When the hell did this happen? Good for you, but that's my aunt. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love Burcaster, though. I'm in. I'm oh into my god! It. I think that's why Claire and she bonded because Claire was like, "Oh, Jackasta got laid. Now she's gonna be cool. <laughs> now she's gonna be chill. We're gonna hang out." Because Claire was so good with her. She's like, "Thanks for hanging my daughter and all these things." I was like, "Now they're gonna be good friends because Jocasta's happy." But I will say that subversion of expectations. I like you're changing the subject. I know because I we got to get away from the Jocasta getting laid thing. <laughs> The subversion of expectations about the, about the Redcoats and Jamie and having this set up for next season, it, it's great. Uh, and then also the subversion of expectation, too, here, I think for show watchers, not necessarily book readers, but for show watchers, you know, the, the planning that Jamie is going to go to the Mohawk, but all of a sudden out comes, you know, your boy Ian, oh. and he's like, no, it's going to be me. I'm going to take care of this. Uh, that is a good subversion of expectation And Jamie's well. one tier. Yeah, one the, tier. The, the buckets. The buckets. No, of, it's uh, just that one, one powerful yeah, tier. Just a tr- right here. Yeah. Just like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Marvin, you got anything else that you'd like to talk about for this particular episode? Because we are going on 38 minutes. I know. And we want to get ready for our after party a little bit. But yes. I wanted to talk about one thing that you had suggested. Like, if you could have pulled Matt aside. Oh, you right. wanted to say, Matt... Cool ending, but... Who wants to write a, sh- a, a better show for just w- one minute? Are That's, you guys... Re- you want to get into Blake's mind for okay. just a hot second? Just, it's, a, it's a dark <laughs> yes, and dangerous place, but we're ready, okay? Peanut Gallery says yes. Here we go. <laughs> All right. In my opinion, you know how they said Lord John was off doing business in Lynchburg? Um, he was totally watching David Tatera, <laughs> taking all the wedding notes about figuring out the uplighting and what F-A-K-E. gifts to give. F-A-K-E. I don't do fake no at my fake. wedding. No fake candles. 
I love wedding planning. Handwritten I, invitations. I love, I love this moment because not a lot of people know. Blake loved planning our wedding, and he loved planning this gorgeous event. And I've yep. joked, and many of our Outlander cast staff have joked that this is the second Outlander wedding. Um, <laughs> so it's true. <laughs> but he, he does. He loves all these details. So as we've been talking about Lauren John's wedding... I'm like, Blake, he's, Lord John is kind of your soul sister. Because <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, all right, so let's write a better show for just one minute. Okay. Lord John is off in Lynchburg doing business, and they have this thing where he's not there, and all of a sudden, all the redcoats come riding up. And who should have been there riding up to give this message? Absolutely should have been Lord John. And do you want to know, do you want to know why it should have been Lord John? I see people. I see people disagreeing. It's okay. We're in Blake's mind. Remember, and absolutely, it's a should, weird place, guys. But it's okay. It should. We're be, all here together. It should be Lord John, and I'll tell you why. Because Lord John participated in getting Murtaugh out. He didn't tell anybody where he was, where he was going, and it sets up a confrontation and also tests his loyalties to either the British Crown or to Jamie. And we don't know which one he's going to choose, but he's under the protection and under the guidelines of Governor Tryon. And it also sets up, what are we going to have to do between Jamie and Lord John? And how Murtaugh. do we, how do, and Murtaugh, because they both, they all know where each other are. We all know that it's going to set, the, set up this major conflict between this the three of them. bits throw me really off. Does any other book readers, or is anyone else who's a book reader sitting here going, I'm kind of confused what's going to happen? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> and that's what you could do. Setting up that conflict between those three men going into season five would have been a fantastic place to start. It may not make sense to the book readers, but for I just I think in a show only manner, that makes a great conflict. That's to start. a very interesting picture so you've it's painted. A, it's kind of an outlandish theory, but it's not. Okay. So, anything else that you'd like to talk about, my darling? I would like to hear our Outlander cast staff thought of the week coming straight to us from Japan. Kendra, take it away. Hey, Mary and Blake. Well, it's been quite a season. Overall, I'd put it just behind season one for pure enjoyment. This finale had some wonderful moments. Ian's tearful goodbye and subsequent running of the gauntlet was just about as heart-wrenching as I knew it would be, and his joy at literally finding his tribe and being accepted as one of them was just enough balm to soothe his loss to the life he previously knew. John Bell's performance in every scene he's been in has elevated everyone around him, and that's a strong statement considering the acting chops he's surrounded with. Sam Hewen plays beautifully off of him in their parting scene, and ninjas must have snuck into my kitchen to cut some onions because I was bawling. Yes. Blake, I hope you're taking the appropriate time to gloat over your bullseye outlandish theory. Mary, I don't know how you kept a straight face during that one. Also bringing it in this episode was Sophie Skelton. The way her face melted from one emotion to the next in a matter of seconds when she first thinks Roger is dead and then learns that he chose not to come is so subtle and heartbreaking. Her strength as an actor, I think, is her physicality, the liquid quality of her face, and it's shown to full advantage here. Also, her interaction with the baby. You could see Brie immediately fall in love with her son, mm -hmm. a phenomenon no one but a parent can fully comprehend. It just washes over you, and it can be almost too much to handle all at once. Kudos to the creative team for finding an actual newborn for this. While watching, my husband turned to me and said, Wow, that's a fresh baby. <laughs> Finally, Richard Rankin continues to kill it. His best moment is the turnaround he does when he reacts to Stephen Bonnet's name. It's like the air has suddenly gone out of him, and he goes from raging to bewildered in a split second. On a whole, though, this finale fell a bit flat for me. For one, they've not successfully redeemed show Roger. Whether Roger was successfully redeemed in the book is another matter, and I would say no. But it's worse here. 
Roger, you traveled back 200 years for this woman, married her, then came all the way back from Philadelphia to North Carolina to find her, but learned she's been raped and has a baby, and she therefore needs you more than ever, and you need to phone a friend before giving Regis your final answer? <laughs> Granted, that's not a deviation from the book, but Bree's reception of him certainly is. Now, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who wants to read the book, but uh, it's different. I know they wanted some kind of a happy ending for the season, but it just doesn't ring true. Diana has a running theme of adopted parentage woven through her books. Claire and Uncle Lamb, Frank and Bree, Roger and Reverend Wakefield, Jamie and Fergus, and it is interesting to see the difference in how each relationship manifests. This will probably be an unpopular opinion, but the Myrta and Jocasta hookup was nonsense. <gasps> it wasn't properly set up, and the way it came about was a little too cliche romance novel. I'm so glad he's back, and the idea of them isn't the issue. It was the execution of that scene. It felt rushed and forced. Let's have an argument to ratchet up the sexual tension. To quote one of my favorite films, I'm sorry, honey, but I don't downshift that fast. <laughs> Finally, I just wish Claire had had more to do, more agency. The story tends to suffer when she's relegated to the peripheral. All in all, though, this was a good episode, but a bit uneven. I'm giving it four kilts. I am curious and a bit trepidatious to see how they adapt the next book. It is a toughie. Uh, to all of you celebrating in Rhode Island tonight, cheers, have fun, be safe, and sayonara from Japan. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you, Thank Kendra. you very much. I'll tell you, she always brings the heat. She, she always brings the heat. And she I'm, does. And it, it, people, you know, they, they, may, they may, not, may not always agree with her, but she, she always at least has stuff to back up her opinions, which I really appreciate. But it's time, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh. It's time for the best part of this whole podcast. I'll tell you what. Okay. You want to know what time it is? Tell me. It. No. It's the Outlandish Theory of the Week time. All right. Just want to let you know that this Outlandish Theory is brought to you by this lady oh, right wow. here. Hey. MinuteWithMary.com. Want to uh, you know, get more creative and confident with makeup? I can help you out. It's me. And uh, you can just head on over to MinuteWithMary.com or search the hashtag... Minute with Mary. And for all of you here who know what happens in season five or book five, um, a lot of people ask how I don't let Blake know what's happening. I pick a spot on the wall <laughs> and I let him talk and then I just say interesting. So if that's what you need to do right now, find a spot on the wall. Just look, look out over just there. Just look away and let him talk and then at the end just say interesting. Okay, we'll all do it together. Okay, go Blake. All right. So we all know that Stephen Bonin ain't dead. I don't care what Murtha says, he is not dead. And he's coming back next season. And thank God he's coming back next season because Outlander needs a villain like him. I mean, not only that, I, I just want to see more of your boy Jimmy left and right. I think he's great. And I, he really is good. Thank you. Um, I think they said brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Okay. It's a much fancier word. I know. Uh, and what they're setting up, I think, is that Roger is going to try and kill Stephen Bonnet next season. Yes, thank you very much. And he's gonna fail, and he's gonna fail miserably, and he's gonna get his ass handed to him. That's what it's gonna come down to. And Roger, because he is going to try and kill Stephen Bonnet, is either one going to die. Or two, he's really going to fail in a spectacular fashion. And it's going to set up the remaining conflict between he and Jamie and Stephen Bonnet for season five. Because who is going to have to come to his rescue? One, James Fraser. So, and it will also screw up Jamie's duties with Governor Tryon, in my opinion. Because he's going to have to go over here and try to solve this issue with Stephen Bonnet and Roger. And it's going to call into question his allegiances because he has to spend time finding Murtaugh Fitzgibbons and he's not doing it. So what would happen to Fraser's Ridge if that land Clarence all of a sudden is, just going to run away. <laughs> is taken away? <laughs> so this will be, I think, the main thrust for season five. Marvin, everybody else, what do I got? Interesting. Bonnie Prince Chuck, what do you think? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. All right. 
I'm ready to go drink. Who's ready to go drink with me? Who wants to after party? Gonna have a couple of beers, take a couple of shots, have some fun. We're gonna go to the after party. Oh my goodness. Why not? And maybe have some food while and we're And hug too. and take pictures and selfies and just say, I'm so glad to see you. So, Marvin. Yeah? Yes, absolutely. All, all the selfies. <laughs> yes. Just gotta get this makeup off my forehead. <laughs> Marvin, you ready to close out this Oscar yes, winning, Emmy nominated show? Yes, I am. Let's do it. Bring it up. So Bring good. it up. Bring it up, baby. Come on, loud. Let's get some noise. So we want to thank each and every one of you who is here live at the Colony House. You guys are amazing. You made the season finale the best one yet. Let's Hi-oh. be real. This was so special. And for those of you watching on Facebook Live, you're here in our hearts. It's like the ta- Tarzan song. You'll be you are. Don't, You're don't here. bring in Tarzan into this place. Worst soundtrack ever. Worst that is the Disney worst soundtrack, soundtrack ever. ever Phil by Collins, Disney. I love you, but no. Phil not. Collins, OD. That's yeah, what that too is. Too much Phil Collins. We want to thank all of our patrons, all of the members of the Outlander cast clan. Those of you who are here tonight, thank you so, so much. We especially want to thank our most generous patrons, the associate producers, Angie, Carolyn, Celine. Am I saying it right? Yes. Right. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, because I felt so bad when I messed up people's <laughs> names. This feels so bad. Cheryl, Dawn, Diane, two Dianes, Heather, Jennifer, Larissa, Lauren, Linda, Marilyn, Mary, Michelle, two Michelles, Patricia, Siobhan, and Summer. She got it right, ladies and gentlemen. Got she right. got the Siobhan right this time. Got it right. Barbara, Carolyn, Christina, Dana, Dieta, Janet, Jenny, Keelan's in the house. Lisa, Liz, Marianne's here too. Meredith with a little baby. Raynal, Rita's here, Sharon, Sue, Tara, and Tina, and we've got our executive producers, and Miss Ann, we got Ann, here we got Bobby, we got Jen, Katie, am I like suddenly like auctioning, we got this, yeah, we got I that, know. hey, 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 just keep, just keep talking. Martha, we got Peg here as well, Sarah and Shannon, thank you all so incredibly much, but we need to give a huge, the most huge round of applause for every single one of the members of the Outlander cast staff who are here. Love them so much. You've read their blog posts. Honestly, guys, Droughtlander, I know it's a swear, Droughtlander's here. The Outlander cast is going to keep bringing you wonderful things. Shame. Shame, Shame Mary. But blog posts to keep you like wanting to rewatch and rethink of all these wonderful things. We want to thank our clan moderators. We want to thank our event staff. We want to thank our newsletter, our Instagram, everybody who's been able to make all of this possible. What else do I need to do? We also need to thank everybody that is here, all of you nerds. Thank you yes. so much for coming in here. Yes. And you know what? What do they get? What do they get? First, first, you're going to get this. No! Oh, yes. Okay. And secondly, you're going to get this. Yes, they are outstanding for coming. Look at you dance. Oh. Makes me want to shout. So, thank you, everybody. Thank Give yourself you. a round of applause one more time. Until next time. And there will be Until a next Wednesday. Time. <laughs> Until Wednesday when we do our listener feedback episode. Um, I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake. <laughs> and you've been listening or attending Outlander Cast. Thank you, everybody. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.